0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1314.
1: The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts! I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles, California, Michael Bodell. Hey Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Alright, here we go. Michael Bodell is the Deputy Director of the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, California. The original museum opened back in June of 1994 and since then, It has gone through several remodels, the last being in 2015 when it underwent an extensive and massive $90 million renovation. The building facade is an incredible statement towards the future, and if you've ever seen it, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, Google it. It's stunning. With over 400 vehicles on display, the Peterson's mission is to explore and present the history of the automobile and its impact on global life and culture, and that they do. Michael is a collector, motorcycle racer, and product developer. In addition to his role in growing the Peterson brand, Michael is also a Lotus enthusiast and a collector. I love that. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and your passion for automobiles?
1: So I'm actually in my my dream job, so I, it's going to take a, a forklift to get me out of here. <laughs> but, no, my my journey with cars Started when I was a kid. I would actually say cars really taught me how to read. I didn't want to read books when I was younger. And so my mom gave me Road and Track and Motor Trend, and that's what really got me reading. So you can see I started from a really early age and at the Peterson, I I get to combine everything I love. I get to to be creative and grow something that I'm extremely passionate about. I get to continuously educate myself about the industry and the the cars that are out there. I mean, you think you're a car enthusiast and you go work at a a car museum and you're like, I didn't know anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a magical place. And I'll let our listeners go with my new Cars Yet TV show as we're recording the show. I'm going to be flying down to the Peterson in a few days, and we're going to shoot an episode with you and Leslie Kendall, a curator there. Terry Cargis has been a guest on the show here as well, and I'm so excited to be able to bring the Peterson Museum to the Karjat TV show and show the viewers kind of a behind-the-garage-door look at this fantastic place. So I'm very excited about coming to visit you, Michael. As we continue on your journey, though, I'd like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel.
1: So, it's definitely a little direct, but uh, Walt Disney used to say, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that that's definitely been my mantra. I'm kind of a workaholic, so uh, that's definitely one of the quotes that has propelled me in my career here.
0: Well, no doubt. Now, let me think about this for a little bit because I love the quote and of course somebody that did stop talking and got things done was Walt Disney. When you think about what he did, you know, Disneyland, the first one down there just a little way south of where the Peterson is, Los Angeles is is like a mecca for car people and it's a place where people get things done and they do things. So Let's start with this mantra a little bit. Could you tell our listeners, what does the director of a museum like the Peterson do? Like, what's your daily routine? Or is there any th- such thing as a routine for you?
1: Uh, definitely not a routine, I would say. My fingers are kind of in everything to make sure that, you know, we're we're kind of going uh, in the right direction and growing and building enthusiasm. From from a daily side, really, it's it's how do we create a better experience here and how do we ignite passion outside of our campus our campus is kind of our vessel but we have a lot of other missions going on at the same time
0: yeah you guys attend a lot of events i go to a lot of car shows and i see your cars there on display but you also have enormous amount of events at your facility because the facility is very cool there's a massive parking garage of course there's the big facility and we'll learn about what's inside the building Later, but for instance, a few weeks ago was Lufthult Number Six. You guys had a big Porsche event up on your uh, your rooftop there before the day before that event. So you host a lot of sh- car shows with local groups, don't you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we have about a hundred events a year, programs that we run. Some of them are tied to to larger events to kind of just you know elevate the conversation, maybe do a little bit more of the storytelling. Some are our own. You know, we've had a cars and coffee going now for about. Got seven years, and it's every last Sunday of the month. And, you know, we're always looking for new things to do and new partnerships to to make cars relevant and, and fun.
0: Yeah, it's very, very cool. I'm very uh, busy on social media, and a lot of my friends live down in that area. And I love it when you guys have your events because there's always Facebook friends and Instagram friends posting video and pictures. So I'm sitting up here in the Northwest going, oh, I wish I could be there. <laughs> so I'm there in spirit. But, uh yeah. Like I said, I'm really well, looking forward the sunshine to visiting. for your
1: visit. <laughs> I, oh, I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, uh, let's talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. And I love the fact that your mom gave you magazines to read. You know, my I was kind of the same way. I wasn't much of a reader, and the first book my parents gave me was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
1: Interesting.
0: Okay. Really, it really it was a you know it's a novel, a story, and it got me to read. And I read that book. I still have it. I read it so many times. I about tore all the pages out. But uh, that was a the way they kind of got me reading to realize that there are wonderful things to read. But let's talk about that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy.
1: So when I was you know, after, you know, really kind of setting the foundation or the scholastic foundation for my learning with uh, car books and, and magazines, I remember when I was five or six years old, I've got a, two older brothers, both who are not. One of them's a kind of a car guy. The other one's not. And the one who wasn't wanted to learn about cars. So I remember putting a kind of a collage together. It was a book and every page was the the stats behind the kind of 15 most important cars that you need to know if you're a car person. Uh, and I cut out pages of magazines and I, I put the book together for him. And then I walked them through the book. And I think at that moment, <laughs> you know, cool. I was already teaching somebody about cars. <laughs>
0: that's very cool. Yeah, you're you're made for your job.
1: But then uh, honestly, uh, you know, I, I bought my first car, when I was 14 years old, it was uh, $500 it was a Nissan 300 ZX. It was in terrible condition. And I knew it wasn't, it was not running. And I knew it'd take a long time to get running. So I, that was my first car. So I basically worked on that car for, for two years before I got my license so that I could have that car ready for when I started driving. And that was, you know, it just kind of compiled from there, you know, trading up cars and working on cars. And I, I like to tinker with things. So uh cars are probably the ultimate like decompression for me, you know, a long day of work, you know, cars, there's, it's like Legos. There's like one way that they fit together, but there's so many options.
0: Yeah. That's a nice analogy. Yeah, I like that.
1: That's how I relax is working on cars.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk about some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced. I like this question because it helps people who might be going through the same thing, realize there's a way out. And more importantly, there's a valuable lesson learned in these situations. So walk us through specifically one that you had a lot of struggles with, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your business and your career.
1: Absolutely. So when I was, you know, I've always been work. I started full time work when I was 16. I graduated high school early. I got into uh, to Davis, and uh, it was one of those kind of pivotal moments in your life where you're like, okay, going to school or you know, working. And I wanted to pursue work. So I continue working. That was one of the biggest challenges for me was, you know, I think all everyone in my family stressed, you know, having a degree, especially my grandfather, who was, you know, an MBA was like, you know, you got to go to school to be successful. And I, you know, I started, I, I got an AA and I was working full time and, you know, then I was going to transfer to Davis and I want to keep working. I want to see where this takes me. And you know, I've been very fortunate to have work propel me to where I am today But I've done, you know, specialty things and, you know, specialty courses to kind of get up to speed on some things. But uh, that was probably the biggest challenge for me is making the decision of, you know, do I I go to school or do I continue, you know, kind of with this this work ethic and and see where it takes me?
0: Yeah, you know, this is an interesting topic because I'm sitting on a board with the RPM Foundation and we're having a conference in September of this year and I'm going to be the MC for all the different guests that come in and this is one of the topics we've talked about is helping young people realize that there are very viable careers in the automotive world that don't rely on liberal arts degrees or degrees now there may be trade schools and there are a few schools like McPherson that do offer four-year degrees but in many cases learning how to do what you need to do, and then getting a viable job in the field you're passionate about, restoration, preservation, curation, whatever it might be, or the things you do are out there. And I was talking with my neighbor last night about the challenges with so many young people these days going to college, uh, creating massive debt for this degree they have that really has not prepared them for a job. In some cases it does, some cases it doesn't. And I think that I, I'm kind of hoping things are changing a little bit in that respect so that there's not so much emphasis on that. And it's more on what do you want to do and what's the path to what you want to do. Are you sensing a little bit of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was, my path was fine art. So I was an artist. As as much fun as that was, I would say that I immediately knew that that was not a career path that I wanted to be. I wanted to be successful. And I always had a knack for you know, marketing and business development and, you know, school would have taken me on a path that would have probably, I can't say it because I don't know I didn't go down that path, but, you know, it, it wouldn't have been where it wouldn't have put me where I am today. And it's still something I enjoy, but it was more, you know, it was it, it was a novelty. And I think that there are people who go to college, you know, I think if you're a doctor or you're in finance or other specialties, it, it's absolutely required. But I think that experience in the field for a lot of positions is is more valuable than, you know, taught. I mean, you know, essentially the difference between kind of intellect and, and, you know, somebody kind of being book smart. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Now, if there's somebody out there listening that might be going through this challenge and they're getting a lot of pressure from maybe friends, family, the grandpa saying, you've got to get a degree. You have to. I don't care what it is. You got to have that piece of paper. And they're and they're struggling with decision. What would be something you could share with them that you found as a positive way to find your path forward that uh, led you to the success you have?
1: I think I think it's really just knowing you know knowing what you want to do and being true to yourself. I mean, I think a lot of people are take outside influence and that really sways you away from you know some of the things you might know you enjoy doing or you know want to do. And I, I've always been you know kind of very. Firm on my beliefs, and you know where where I see myself, and I've, I haven't really strayed from that. I, I've, I'm a, <laughs> a very frugal person. I've always been interested in, you know, finance, and I've always kind of wanted to understand how things work, and mm-hmm. so I've kind of self-educated, especially in areas where I felt like you know I needed to 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 kind of grow. I, it's really just being true to yourself. I mean, if you, I think a lot of people know what they want to do, but there are so many things that are distractions. You know, yes, yeah, that yeah. they they get off the, their track, and I it's yeah. stay on your own track.
0: <laughs> Focus and stay on your own track. Words of wisdom. I like that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. Talk about your first really special vehicle. And you talked about that that Z, but let's talk about the first really special car you got? Maybe something that meant a lot to you or you saved up for it and share a memory you have about that ride.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So the, um, the car that I also regret um, selling was, I had an 85 Lotuses Pre-Turbo. Oh, nice. And I absolutely loved that car. My dad had Lotuses and I actually bought that car from my dad. And that was like my first real, I would say collector car. And, you know, everybody used to, Complain. I mean, everybody, I think everybody still complains about you know uh, British cars and reliability. And I grew up with British cars, and you know I've always tinkered with Jags and old Lotuses. And you know that car was actually probably one of the most reliable cars I've ever. And it was my <laughs> daily driver. But uh, you know just driving that car is such a visceral experience. It's super lightweight and no power steering. You know, not a lot of power, but you know, right in the it's got the you know the perfect torque curve. That that is that was one of my favorite cars. And I think that the principles of that car, you know, not only told, you know, kind of taught me, uh, good driving habits because, you know, those cars are, you know, the weight balance is in the rear, uh, and there's no assists. It it was a really good lesson of, you know, how do you appreciate, you know, something like that? I mean, Colin Chapman had such good fundamentals when he built his, his vehicles, you know, what, how do you apply those fundamentals to other things? And so that that car was it was definitely the pinnacle for me, and uh, I've uh, I've always see them come up now, and uh, it's one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me if you know one ended up uh, at the Peterson again uh, <laughs> as a daily driver, an unpractical daily driver.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, it's interesting we're talking about Lotus Esprit here because my guest yesterday was uh, Peter Nielsen, and we were talking about Lotus Esprits as well. So it's odd that two days in a row. I have two guests, but, of course, we were talking about the relationship to that car and James Bond, of course, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me and uh, some of the other movies. And, uh, you know, that car gained so much notoriety in that show. A uh, beautifully designed car, I think. I mean, they're just really, really cool-looking car. And that movie, of course, kind of launched them into more fame if you will but i love the fact that it was a daily driver that's very impressive
1: yeah all all i mean i've always you know kind of like to trade my cars up and you know being in a position you know of okay like if if this is going to work it should work on a daily basis and i think you know with those cars tinkering with them is what makes them you know tinkering with them and driving them is probably the the way to keep them the most reliable i think you know when you park a car that's when it really starts to
0: deteriorate. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I bought many old cars from people that have low miles and you end up spending a lot of money getting them back up on the road because of uh, leaky seals and tubes and all sorts of things. Yeah, cars don't like to sit still. So get out and drive them. So that is your seller's remorse story. That is Spree. That's the car you wish you had back.
1: That yeah, that is that is the sellers remorse story. Yeah, that car I sold. I would also say, from a you know a market side, I probably sold it. You know, at the weakest time uh, in the market, which was you know two thousand eight.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> right when nobody
1: was buying any cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got it. It sold for like fourteen grand. I mean, I'm looking at them now, and I think you know, in the condition that mine was in, it's probably a fifty thousand dollar car now, which is not a lot, but still. Not the right time.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I've had many, many people on this show, and most of them have said, tell me, if you're going to buy a car, don't buy it thinking you're going to make money. Exactly. Off of it. Buy it because you like it, and don't worry about that aspect, unless that's your business. But for most people, it's not. Well, Lotus Esprit, love those cars. Yeah, you know, I've never had a chance to drive one. I've said in many of them, but uh, I'm going to have to take one out the road sometime. They look like fun. and. um oh, yeah, I'll bet they are. Well, I would love for you to talk a lot more about the Peterson Automobile Museum. And I know right now you have some very cool exhibits going on. Hollywood Dream Machines, uh, Winning Numbers, you have what's called the Didactic, the mm-hmm. Jets to Post School. That's kind of <laughs> cool. Legends of Los Angeles, Electric Revolution, Japanese supercars. you got a made in Italy, Why We Live Automobiles. And of course, there's the fault that I want you to talk a little bit about. So and some of your permanent displays, too, which are very cool. So what has you excited and fired up right now about the Peterson Automobile Museum?
1: The, the biggest exhibit, the one I, I, I'm like my, my personal seal of approval on is the uh, Hollywood Dream Machines Vehicles of Science Fiction and Fantasy. That swapped out. So we had 70 years of Porsche in there. And that was the that's kind of our biggest space in the museum. It's uh, about a 20 vehicle display. And, you know, when we program that space, we want it to be multi generational. Porsche is perfect for that, you know, the the connection to car culture and Porsche, especially in Southern California, and it being a multi-generational brand is it was really important to the success of that exhibit. And Mm -hmm. now we're going into a different kind of culture, which is, you know, science fiction and fantasy. What I love is, you know, you have people who resonate with, you know, the original Blade Runner, uh, and even Metropolis. And then you have, mm-hmm. you know, children coming up and we've got a 15 foot bumblebee in the exhibit right in the middle and, you know, <laughs> wanting to basically hug, you know, bumblebee. And so, you know, for everyone, it pulls that heartstring because it brings back the nostalgia. You know, we've got the hero cars, so I can go into a few of them. We've got, uh, you know, Back to the Future DeLorean. Uh, we flew in some cars from Australia that are Mad Max cars from Fury Road. Oh, right. I love the Audi RSQ that inspired the R8 for my robot. We've got the uh couple of batmobiles, so it's the eightieth anniversary of of Batman mm-hmm. uh, this year. This exhibit really ties into the museum's anniversary, so it's our twenty fifth anniversary this year. For a lot of the exhibits especially this one, we kind of looked back at our roots. In our mission, it's it's really looking through the lens of Los Angeles and LA car culture, because there's really nowhere, like you said, else in the world where, you know, car culture is so celebrated and you wear your car like a piece of clothing. It's the outermost layer of your clothing here in LA. And so, you know, obviously LA's connection to Hollywood and Hollywood's connection to the car where the cars are characters, you you remember them just like the actors. This exhibit is a big one for us this year, and uh, it's already been, yeah, been doing phenomenal. We've, uh, we're exceeding our admissions, which is always a good thing. Yes, We actually had, for any Game of Thrones fans out there, we had uh, George R. R. Martin do a secret visit, nobody knew, came through the exhibit and put it on his personal blog which is kind of the stamp of approval when you go into the fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So there are really, there, it, it's a really cool exhibit. Um, there's actually over 50 cars on display because we've programmed it on the third floor of the museum and in the, the lobby space of the Grand Concourse. Even if you're not a car fan, um, and that's, I think, one of the beauty, uh, beauties about the museum is that, um, you know, you can connect with a story and that is the kind of the gateway into the car world. That's, that's the best thing that we see is, you know, when people write reviews on the museum, it's typically not the, the carhead or the gearheads. It's the people who kind of got dragged along with them. And they're like, I had no idea how much I would, you know, fall in love with this story. I want to come back and see the next story. And that's, that's
0: the car bug, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, there's a little thing, little thing, I will say it's about 60,000 square feet of a little thing called the vault yep. at the Peterson. Tell our, our listeners about the vault.
1: So the vault is the, the treasure trove of stories. We actually partnered with Haggerty uh, about a year ago to do a big expansion on the vault. But the whole premise is, at the Peterson 6060 Wilshire, we actually own the entire city block. So we have a full city block of vehicle storage underground that we call the vault. And we tour it uh, three times during the week and four times on the weekends for public tours. You have everything from... The Round Door Rolls-Royce, which is kind of one of the flagship cars of the collection, to the Shaw Bugatti. We've got a real 24-karat gold DeLorean uh, that was released. That DeLorean was in the Christmas catalog when American Express launched the gold card. We've got cars in the shop. So, you know, basically uh, right now on the two lifts, we've got a 1923 Mercedes Targa Florio and our our Duesenberg uh, Murphy-bodied SJ has uh, so a supercharged Duesenberg. When you get a behind-the-scenes look, there's no stanchions. It's all based on, you know, we've got a tour guide with you when you go down there. But there's over 250 vehicles in the vault, so you can only kind of imagine the stories. And yeah. with this, this recent expansion, you know, it's it's only added more. So, you know, Hagerty allowed us to expand it to a full 60,000 square feet. It was in 20,000 square feet. Now it's in 60,000 square feet. And it's pretty spectacular. There's there's a 90-minute tour and a two-hour tour uh, if you're an enthusiast, I would say do the two-hour tour and then do it again, because every tour guide focuses on different cars because they have connections to certain vehicles. And we're always swapping our content. So we we highlighted Porsche uh, last year. This year, we ha- we're highlighting supercars. So we reprogram the space annually. And uh, we're about to go through another big reprogram. So get in there uh, while the supercars are still down there.
0: Yeah, this is very cool. I'll remind our listeners, Go and check out peterson.org on the website for the museum. If you're going to be in the Los Angeles area, anywhere in California, it's worth a trip down to Los Angeles to visit the Peterson. And again, look for uh, Cars TV, Season 2, where I'll be there with Michael and the curator, Leslie Kendall, and we'll be showing you even more while I'm there. Fantastic place to go. Michael, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right, all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the cars yeah podcast and website contact me today and i'll show you how at mark at dot or connect with me through the cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. hey mark green here from cars yeah did you know you can now see me on the CarGat yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past CarGat yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, CarGat yeah! TV is making its mark. CarGat yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through. Lucas Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we are back, Michael, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in the garage, maybe parked in the vault, what kind of car would Michael be and why? And it's not what you want to be. It's how you perceive yourself manifested as a vehicle.
1: So I had to think really hard about this one. Um, I don't know if it's a car that would be worthy of the vault, um, <laughs> but I would probably be a, a, a Saab nine thousand Arrow. Okay, why that? You know those those cars. You know that I, I drove one of those, and it was it was kind of an underrated car, but it was very efficient. Everything you know had a purpose on mm-hmm. that car. It was a little bit of a sleeper. Like you didn't expect some of the things that would come from that turbo in that car. So that's the car that I'll go
0: with if I was a car. Well, I think you're the first one of those, so that's kind of unique and
1: different. (laughs) That's what a Saab 9000 would say, right? (laughs) I think so. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I think so. I love it. Very nice. Well, we are entering the last lap, Mike, and uh, I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers of that Saab Turbo Arrow. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, That would be from uh, Mr. Bruce Meyer, which is Never Lift. And car car people will know that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Bruce, I've known him for decades. He's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, and I love that quote of his, never lift. If you don't know what it means, not sure why you're listening to the show, but uh, (laughs) you can uh, email me and I'll let you know. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Know a little about a lot. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think in... In your case, you've got to. Will you talk about the breadth of cars that you guys are dealing with, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, to know everything about everything there would be very, very challenging. So you've got to touch on a little bit of everything. I understand. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: I think, you know, waking up early certainly helps. I mean, extending your day is is one of the things that uh, I've always done. I would say never look at the clock. I think that's one of the biggest things is as soon as you think that you're on the clock, it's no longer fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love it. How about a resource? Uh, Is there a resource out there that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Honestly, I think it's just forums in general. I mean, I've, you know, I've always worked on my cars and I, I would say one of the best things that you know if you're a car person and you you want to get into cars is you know get onto a car forum that's for your for your specific car everybody on there is super helpful if you think you know anything there are people who know more than you and they're they're always looking to to help and they're they're just a wealth of knowledge
0: yeah absolutely if i could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would that be that's a tough one um
1: I, I honestly, you know, with the passing of uh, Nicky Lauda, I think that that would be the one that I would I would like to to have. I think you know, he was a an amazing uh, amazing thinker. He was uh, amazing driver, and I would have loved to to have a conversation with him.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I think that would be very interesting. With the movie Rush, you, you kind of wonder if they if they captured who he really was. There, I mean, very obviously a very serious intent guy. Um, just, you know, laser-focused and uh, kind of typical to uh, German background and uh, how he looked at things and how he analyzed everything, very methodical. But I think that'd be a very, very interesting meal or drink for sure. Yeah, sorry to see him go at a pretty young age too. uh, But, boy, he dodged a lot of bullets in his life. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: Yeah, I mean, just from from a business side, you know, I just finished Good Profit. Which was really good. Um, if you're growing in your career, or you know, I would say even if you're successful, uh, it was a it was a fantastic read.
0: You know, I'm not real familiar with that book. Uh, do you know who the author is? The author was uh, Charles Koch. Uh, Koch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I know. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. I have to get my hands on that book. Was there one big takeaway that that you took from reading that?
1: Always have an alternative.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it. you know, when you think you're done, try to break it again. I mean, I think that's the model of a successful business is, is you know, is never stop, think, never think you're done.
0: Always be reinventing yourself, yeah. which is a great uh, analogy to museums, because if you create a museum and everything's the same, you're not going to get people to come back, because like, well, we already saw all this, you yeah. know, <laughs> I want to yeah. see something new, so... I always think of uh, musicians as being great reinventors of themselves, especially very, very good, successful musicians. They're always kind of creating a new them every couple of years. And uh, some people go, well, why are you doing that? I kind of like what you did before. But they realize if they don't do that, there's going to be someone else who will come along, and they'll be left in the dust. So good profit. I'm going to get my hands on that. Maybe I'll buy that and read it on the plane ride down to visit the Peterson
1: i finished it if you want it when uh, you come visit.
0: Oh, there you go. I would appreciate that. Nice sharing. I appreciate that. Well, you can find all these links that Michael's been so kind to share on his very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to com. type in Michael Bodell, B-O-D-E-L-L, and his page will pop right up. And a link to this book, Good Profit, will be there. Real easy for you to find. There's a resources page on the Cars yeah! website where I've listed every one of the books my past Thirteen hundred and fourteen guests now have recommended, so there's a lot to put on your library shelf there. All right, Michael, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool car on the planet. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter who owns it. Even if it's in the vault, I'm going to secretly sneak it out of there and park it in your garage. Don't don't tell Terry, okay? Or or your friend uh, Leslie Kendall there. They might be a little upset with that. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here at Cars. Yeah. And here's the real kicker. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. So choose wisely.
1: We have a car that's pretty similar to uh, my favorite car here. Uh, My favorite car is a C-type Jaguar. Okay. You know, we have Steve McQueen's XKSS, which is based on the D-type. Yeah. But that would be the car that I would... There's not a lot I wouldn't do for that car.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, a C-Type Jaguar. Now, this is kind of interesting because really an iconic car uh, when you think about the C-Type. I mean, it was just an incredible car. I think they were built in the early 50s, 51 to 53, something like that. And the C, of course, stood for competition. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense why you would like that car. And I think there were only 50-something of those made, if I'm remembering right. I mean, very, very rare car. Yeah,
1: and they were all different. I think that's the cool thing is that they were all, always in a different configuration, so no yeah. one is t- the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and they, of uh, course, they they ran with the XK120 uh, drivetrain, I believe. If I've got some of my history right here, but more importantly, to me, that car was kind of setting the stage for the XKE.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I think you know that was Jaguar's heyday. Yeah, and yeah. for at least for motorsports. And I think that design, I mean, the the designs were so beautiful. You know, the, the XKSS, I think it was, it's, you know, 56, the one we have, it was, it's zero to 100 was 14 seconds. And in 1956, I mean, even by today's standards, that's quick. Mm-hmm. It shows you how engineering, you know, when you get a company behind a goal, you know, what can be accomplished.
0: Oh, yeah. And of course, they won Le Mans, 24-hour Le Mans, twice with that car a uh, Jaguar did which was cool had a 3.4 liter twin cam straight six in that thing I that car is so elegant and so beautiful I see why you want one of those in your garage so this is going to cost me a lot of dough you know you realize that right
1: yeah it's probably more likely that uh, there's a kitten in my future <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I'll see what I can do now if you, if you had your your druthers what color would you like your Jaguar to be I think British racing green I think that's that is kind of car, fitting. Yeah,
1: yeah, that car actually came in a very beautiful blue. I'm not sure what it was called, but there's also like a, a dark blue that that car, yeah. uh, I have seen yeah. the originals in it. It's pretty, pretty spectacular.
0: I remember seeing a blue one on the lawn at Pebble one year, and it was just stunning, uh, you know, in the morning fog. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful car. Oh, nice to think about, right, Michael? That is beautiful. All right. Well, when I'm down there to shoot Cars yet yeah TV, we can talk more about C-Type Jaguars and all the vehicles, you have taken me and the listeners on a nice ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off down the coast highway there, Highway 1, in your very own C-Type Jaguar?
1: Well, thank you for having me as well, and uh, I think the parting advice is just, you know, follow what you're passionate about, Passion will will guide you to where you want to go. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to
0: learn more about you and the Peterson Museum?
1: Uh, For the Peterson, uh, go to peterson.org. And uh, it's Peterson with an E. And uh, you'll see all the great exhibits coming up. And you can learn more about the collection and the vault. I'm listed on the website. But uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Or you can find me on my uh, Instagram, uh,
0: which is mbodell eight. Is that a number eight? That is a number eight. Okay, there you go. Well, listeners, again, I'll put links to all those on Michael's show notes page so you can follow along. More importantly, look into the Peterson Museum. If you're going to find your way maybe this summer out visiting the West Coast, make your way to the Peterson Museum. Uh, I mean, Take your family. The kids will love it. Your spouse, who maybe isn't into cars, might like it too. I promise you there's something there for everybody. Michael, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until I see you at the Peterson in about a week, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. See you down the road.
0: You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsya.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up.